This episode of Radio Techers is brought to you in part by Trip Surfer Vacations. Travel is opening up again, and we know you're ready to go. Trip Surfer Vacations has great all-inclusive packages for your next beach vacation and all the info you need to know about your next trip. So whether you're headed to the Cancun, Cozumel, Cabo, or the Caribbean, Trip Surfer Vacations has you guys covered. We even have partnerships for European adventures as well. So we know you're ready to go. Visit TripSurferVacations.com and let them know that Radio Techers sent you. Y'all have fun out there. This episode of Radio Techers is brought to you in part by Trip Surfer Vacations. Travel is opening up again, and we know you're ready to go. Trip Surfer Vacations has great all-inclusive packages for your next beach vacation and all the info you need to know about your next trip. So whether you're headed to the Cancun, Cozumel, Cabo, or the Caribbean, Trip Surfer Vacations has you guys covered. We even have partnerships for European adventures as well. So we know you're ready to go. Visit TripSurferVacations.com and let them know that Radio Techers sent you. Y'all have fun out there. This episode of Headlock Talk is brought to you by... Austin-based company Naturally Hemp's and their new line of CBD gummies. These gummies are made with 100% baked-in, pharmaceutical-grade, non-isolate-based CBD. What we're talking about here is the entourage effect. The entourage effect refers to the stronger effect you get when combining multiple cannabinoids together as opposed to just CBD. Full-spectrum CBD or CBD distillate tends to be more potent and last longer, which is what we're talking about here. Unlike some other brands that use a spray-on CBD, Naturally Hemp CBD distillate is baked in so you know you're getting the full dose with each gummy. I personally use them for all kinds of things like sleep aid or muscle pain. And did I mention they taste great? They got five flavors, uh, strawberry, green apple, lemon lime, watermelon, and get this, the orange flavor has vitamin C in it. So if this sounds like something you could go for, head over to your nearest Creative Sig vape shop and pick yours up today to see for yourself the difference Naturally Hemp's gummies can make in your life. this episode of Headlock Talk, I am joined by a very special guest, uh, pro wrestling journalist Mike Charlop, as we discuss the life and times of one of wrestling's biggest legends, Eddie Guerrero. Enjoy! This is starting with the recording. Here we go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of uh, Headlock Talk. Uh, Headlock Talk presents wrestling lore here. Uh, I am, of course, the Texas gentleman, Tanner Pruitt, and along with me here uh, for this episode, uh, my good buddy, Mike Charlip. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Awesome. Excited to be here. It's been a long time. Long time no see. Yeah. I mean, we've we've been uh we've all been busy so yes <laughs> in, in our in our, in our own way so absolutely well I, I appreciate you uh 
joining me here on this adventure here. And you know, for the longest time when we've been doing Headlock Talk, uh, you were a longtime listener. You you even helped co-host an episode with us. Uh, you've been you would hit us up on Twitter uh, with a lot of your hot takes and so just a lot of your general knowledge. Uh, so I really appreciate, first and foremost, you choosing to come here and, and, and help do this particular episode. Uh, we're going to actually do two episodes together here. Mm-hmm. Um, this one being about uh, Eddie Guerrero, uh, who is, I got to say, is, is one of my favorite wrestlers. Um, Mike, what, I guess, what do you recall about Eddie Guerrero? Like, what stands out to you when you think of Eddie Guerrero? Uh, well, I mean, looking back, I mean, and I mean, like... He he, when it's it's weird because like when I was younger, I didn't realize how good he was, mm. and then like going back and like watching matches that I had very much seen like numerous times, you realize that he was like ahead of his time, like probably one of if not the best wrestler in WWE during his later years Mm -hmm. yeah he's super special talent yeah Uh, um i mean him uh and well i mean i'll I'll just be outright and saying if you look at like guys like him and 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 even even chavo right i I would say like you you definitely look look at chavo as being uh very talented maybe um (laughs) <laughs> maybe less utilized than maybe he should have uh, more underutilized than maybe he should have been. Uh, I would, I would put them. I, I mean, I would put Eddie on par with like Kurt angle and, um, even Bret Hart to an extent, yeah. Brett, uh, Sean, Sean, Owen, mm-hmm. um, Sean Michaels. Like it, it's just, that's how good Eddie Guerrero was about, like in ring work and telling a story while while doing that mm-hmm. and also like very big very big comparisons to Randy Savage in like he was very detail oriented very like discreet about very very anal about how things were done and mm-hmm. and doing them correctly Mm-hmm. Like and you hear all those stories about like Randy Savage would like plan out every moment of his match, mm-hmm. and like I feel like we we hear stories every once in a while about Eddie Guerrero kind of being that way, and there was numerous I, I numerous occasions, but one in particular mm-hmm. where you can remember him like getting angry in, a, in during a match because a spot was blown or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the uh, I think there was the uh, what was it? the custody of Dominic Mysterio match. That's that's uh, the one. That's uh, the, the one. That the famed uh, yes. <laughs> angle yes. there, uh, where it was a ladder match between him and Rey Mysterio, and it was like the the custody paperwork of Dominic Mysterio. Uh, well, such such an odd angle, this, despite the storyline being very odd. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the match was was very good, but at one point, I think Vicky Guerrero was supposed to come out and uh, make an assist or do something with the ladder. I, I can't remember what exactly was. The, yeah, oh, she the plan. She basically missed her cue. Like she was mm-hmm. supposed to be there earlier than she was, and mm-hmm. Eddie was visibly upset. And 
you could hear that, <laughs> considering <laughs> that he he yelled. Yeah. Where the where the hell is Vicky? Yes. Out loud. <laughs> Uh, is, is a very interesting moment uh, yeah. in his career, and that, and that of course was was towards the latter side. But he he was known throughout his career for kind of having that um, a little bit of temper, uh, but also yeah. you know, like I said, that's out of the pursuit of perfection, a, a, as you put it, right? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that goes along with uh, kind of the the group that he ran with at the time, too, right? Like, um, I mean, we can talk about. You know, Guerrero and kind of the dichotomy that you have with him and Chris Benoit, the, them being best friends, but how they are yeah. remembered in the end is so completely different. Um, but Benoit, of course, also a perfectionist. Yeah. Um, you know, they were, Dean- they were sorry, they were very similar in their uh, their um, philosophy in ring as mm-hmm. far as like, yeah. Uh, I mean, you've got hit Benoit, of course, Dean Malenko, Jericho, even you could put in that that kind of generational group uh, mm-hmm. t- together. All of them had um, very steadfast beliefs, very assured philosophies on what they believed, uh, you know, worked right. Um, and, and they were all kind of perfectionists mm-hmm. uh, to, to, to an extent. Um Guerrero had a very long career uh, going all the way back to about 1986 when he worked in CMLL. Uh, he, he then soon uh, went and worked for AAA in Mexico from about 1992 to about 1995. And over the same course of time, he was also working in New Japan Pro Wrestling as uh, Black Tiger. He was the second, uh, second coming of Black Tiger. And that's really kind of where... Of course, as we all know by now, thanks to Dark Side of the Ring, yeah, kind of where that that relationship uh, with uh, the with Dean Malenko and with uh, Chris Benoit was was really fostered. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. and I mean, even like early on, like you hear the stories about him and his his old partner uh, Art Bar, mm-hmm. and like how well they got together. Like they were going to be like a big deal mm-hmm. together. And uh, unfortunately, Art Bar passed way early in his life uh, due to circumstances. And Eddie only really started doing the frog splash as a tribute to him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. I, I, hey, I didn't even know that. That's that's pretty outstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you look at Guerrero's early parts of his career, um, he's obviously very very good you can see uh glimpses very early on of how good eddie guerrero would become um he did win the 1996 best of the super juniors tournament um which is uh fantastic if you if you're able to go and watch the um probably between about 19 yeah probably about 1994 to 1996 uh you know matches that eddie guerrero would have in new japan uh with uh, as Black Tiger, rather, uh, if you if you do subscribe to uh, the New Japan uh, website uh, for content, those are definitely matches to go and check out. Yeah, I, I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, along with that, in about 1995, because again, Eddie Guerrero was kind of traveling all over the place between Mexico, U.S., Canada, and Japan. Uh, he he was also 
uh, in uh, ECW. Uh, that, again, another place where him, Malenko, Benoit, and eventually Jericho would all kind of you know, make themselves known. Yep. Uh, uh, Guerrero would have uh, an excellent series of matches against Dean Malenko. Uh, ones that were uh, bona fide classics, if you can find them. I think that a lot of them are on Peacock as part of the WWE Network. Did you ever catch any of those, uh, Mike? Uh, yeah, I, I catched a bunch. And, like, you look at, like, that run in particular, those guys were really, like, the pure wrestlers. And, like, obviously ECW, we all know, like, the latter years of ECW were mm. all about, like, pushing the envelope, but those guys were only there to push their in-ring talent to the next level, and ultimately, that's how all of them ended up in WCW. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I feel like that's what added that extra layer of legitimacy to, to, to ECW to an extent, right? Yeah. Um, and Maybe I'm maybe I'm stretching this. I don't know, but I think you can you can definitely make an argument for, um, you know the, um, what's the right way of putting this, uh, for 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 wrestling snobs, for wrestling snobbery, you know there wouldn't be uh, there wouldn't be uh, nearly as major popularity as far as independent wrestling or high quality independent wrestling. Uh, like you would see in Ring of Honor in the early 2000s. I mean, you could even talk about uh, New Japan now. You could even talk about a lot of people in AEW and WWE, both currently, you know, the are basically living through the influence of what guys like Guerrero, Malenko, and Benoit did in, in early ECW. Oh yeah, absolutely. And like you, ha- there's so many talents that you know, like uh, obviously, like the one that sticks out the most, Sasha Banks, like emulates her in-ring work by Eddie Guerrero because that's that's who she grew up idolizing. That's who she grew up wanting to be like. Um, you know, and it it shows. Um, but yeah, like there's so many people that are influenced by that crop of talent, that pure wrestling crop of talent that made ECW different at the time because they were so over the top with their hardcore elements. But with those guys like pushing the envelope on the wrestling side Mm. really like made ECW stick out from like 95 to 97. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, and and here's the other thing too, and, and it should not go uh, unmentioned. And and you know that's that's exactly why I want to bring it up now. Uh, we're talking about Eddie Guerrero and and Dean Malenko, kind of all being uh, and Benoit, of course, uh, all kind of being in this same group uh, over and over and over again. Um, but whereas whereas Malenko and Benoit were outright technicians in the um purest sense of the word purest sense yes thank you purest sense of the word guerrero uh, on the other hand he 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 got his bread and butter from lucha libre which is a very different technical side of it but but he he took that 
those elements of Lucha Libre to the absolute most extent. He did have, you would see uh, later on in his career, Eddie Guerrero would have more of that traditional purist style, yeah. maybe the influence from and, Malenko and Benoit, but he, he was born into Lucha Libre and he, that style stayed consistent with him. Yeah. And that's, that's why I would kind of compare Eddie Guerrero's technical style to like Shawn Michaels technical mm-hmm. style, because Shawn Michaels is a technical wrestler, just not like Bret Hart or Benoit or Malenko. Whereas mm-hmm. Eddie Guerrero and Shawn Michaels in particular were so like on the button with like their um, precision, mm. where instead of like the wrestling side, their precisional side and their psychology side was what got them over. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's why you can still consider guys like Jericho, Shawn Michaels, Eddie Guerrero technical wrestlers mm-hmm. no for sure um so the the ecw run for eddie guerrero ended in about 1995 um he had basically held the ecw tv title on two different occasions um once before uh, dropping it to two cold scorpio um uh, i guess on august 25th of 1995 and then um, on August 26th of 1995, um, Eddie Guerrero and Dean Malenko had, I believe, what would have been their final match in ECW. I could be wrong, Mike, so if you want to fact check me on that. Um, I would have uh, to check the dates. I don't know the dates offhand. Uh, uh, but from from what I've researched, um, this is, I, I believe this would have been their last match. It was a two out of three falls match between Eddie Guerrero and Dean Malenko uh, that basically went to a draw. Um, each man won one fall and then it went to a time limit draw. So, um, yeah, uh, uh, by all accounts, if you can find that match through Peacock on WWE, um, yeah, check that out. It's a classic, um, for sure. Yep. From, from there, Guerrero and, uh, Malenko and Benoit would go to WCW in the early stages. Um, Guerrero's time spent in WCW was not um, as successful, maybe as Ben was. Um, do Do you want to expand on that a little bit, Mike? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, Eddie didn't really get a lot of the opportunities at as much as Benoit because Benoit. Uh, I mean, Benoit wasn't bigger per se, but he was certainly more muscular, and Eddie Guerrero was certainly on the leaner side in his Mm -hmm. WCW days. And that played a factor in why he didn't get a lot of opportunities in WCW. Mm -hmm. Um, But the thing that he did, um, you know, flourish in was the character work Mm -hmm. that he became so good at. And you would think that that would have made him stick out more. Obviously in WCW, it was very hard for guys that weren't, 80s and 90s stars already to get over anyway so right. it, it was very hard for people like Eddie Guerrero and Dean Malenko and Perry Saturn to reach the next level in their career it took mm-hmm. it took Benoit forever and I mean they only gave him a world title to get him to stay and then he left anyway so mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, it, if you look at a, a lot of Guerrero's early work in WCW, it does seem as though he's doing a lot of, um, I'd hate to call it job work, but I mean, that's a, apparently yeah. what it amounted to was he would he would do matches with the bigger stars in order yeah. to help them get even further over because you have Eddie Guerrero who looks so good in the ring. Yep. You know, oh yeah, if 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 DDP beat Eddie Guerrero, then DDP has to be really, really good. Um, that's one of those mm-hmm. um, that's one of those spots that will will live forever oh. as a as a gif is the, that, the Eddie Guerrero di- diamond cutter that DDP. Yeah, yeah, him. that's like the the old uh, Bret Hart Tom McGee thing, right? Mm-hmm. Where like Bret Hart and Tom McGee had like this match in a house show, and. Vince McMahon saw Tom McGee and was like, wow, that guy looks amazing. He looks like a star. And then Tom McGee had some matches with other people that were not Bret Hart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they quickly realized that Bret Hart was the star and not Tom McGee. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, I will make note that uh, if we're looking at Eddie Guerrero's WCW run, um, you have to make note of at least two different things that Eddie was involved in. One being the LWO, which mm-hmm. is the uh, the Latino World Order, the spinoff from uh, Eric Bischoff's uh, New World yeah. Order. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, which they only really did because every single person was joining the NWO, and Eddie Guerrero was like, "Well, what about the Hispanic talent over here?" Mm-hmm. Like. So he did that in hopes that it would like get over just like the NWO did, mm-hmm. and yeah, and, and and you had uh pretty much if I if, I mean I want to say like every Latino talent that was on uh the their roster was was a part of LWO, but I mean a large majority of them. I'll, I'll just pull up the 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 listing real quick. Um, we had Eddie, uh, Rey Mysterio. Juventud Guerrera, Psychosis, La Parca, El Dandy, Silver King, um, Hector Garza. Uh, they were all part of the LWO. I, th- I think it was literally. I think it was literally everybody except Conan. <laughs> yeah, and and, uh, and Conan was. I think he was what Wolfpack. I can't remember. Yeah, <laughs> they, he was. He was in. Him. He was in Wolfpack first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, towards the end of Eddie's run in WCW, he was also part of another faction called the Filthy Animals, uh, who uh, that was, I guess, founded by Rey Mysterio and Conan, essentially, uh, along with uh, Billy Kidman, um, you know, them being the the predominant players of of that. uh, (laughs) Not not received very well. Let's let's put it that way. It was not received very well. No, no, no. <laughs> um, though he he did get to, I guess, uh, get a lot of his uh, character work in as, as, yeah. as part of uh, the the filthy animals. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there there were benefits there still. But uh, but let's not forget uh, Halloween Havoc, nineteen ninety seven, mm-hmm. probably one of the best matches in WCW history. Mm-hmm. Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, that match is amazing. I think it, I think you can still find it on YouTube. I think WWE actually put it up on their YouTube. I don't mm-hmm. know if it's still yeah. there or not, but it's it's amazing. It's a great yeah. match. Yeah. Um, 
let's see. Uh, at that point, you you start to have again a lot of that tension there with Benoit, with Guerrero, with Malenko, Perry Saturn in particular. Uh, yep. A lot of them are very disgruntled with uh, WCW management, and uh, that leads us to the January thirty first, uh, two thousand episode of uh, WWF Raw's War, uh, where they uh, they sat at ringside. Mm-hmm. They, they were shown at ringside, uh, and they would interfere in a match uh, uh, with the uh, uh, involving the New Age Outlaws, and uh, they would establish themselves. Um, on the roster, so uh, this would be—I guess this would be a pretty shocking moment. This is a very much a death blow, I would say, to WCW because these guys were supposed to be the new generation. Yeah, and now they've gone chip. I would say it started. It started with Jericho leaving, and then this was like the nail in the coffin because you had all of these guys, all four of them, uh, including Jericho, months prior that wanted to do more in WCW. They, you know, they wanted to move up in the on the card and they were just adamant about keeping guys like Hogan and Scott Hall and Kevin Nash and all these guys that had their time mm-hmm. um in the, you know, the top of the card, but also it was really that old school wrestling mentality of like, if you're not six, five, 250 pounds, mm-hmm. it's not believable that you could beat Scott Steiner or Booker T or Kevin Nash to the point where, you know, there's stories out there of like people being upset that they're heavyweights working with cruiserweights and, mm-hmm. It's also it also comes down to like all these cooks in the kitchen with the writing staffs always changing and people in the writing staff not being fond of Benoit or or Eddie mm. because of things. Uh, I mean, Benoit in particular, but um yeah, so it was just it, it was like it was time for them to like this this isn't working. We mm. need to go somewhere where we're appreciated. Mm. And that's why they took the jump. Uh so Eddie's run uh in in WWF at the time. Um his his initial run was was pretty short-lived. He was only there for about you know most of 2000 of course, um as well as a a, a great part of 2001. Um uh, a lot of that run is looked at with um, Eddie Guerrero uh, being involved in storylines, particularly with China. I would I would say that that's a pretty memorable storyline uh, yeah. with with, uh, with the two of them together. Um, but over the course of his initial run in WWF, um, it was superseded by a lot of. Uh, personal life issues that he had had. He had had uh, multiple different car accidents, I believe, one being very severe um, yeah. that led to a pain medication addiction. Um, yeah. And, and, and I guess uh, at least one stint in rehab that we are, th- that we are aware of. Um, yeah. 
he was later on in November 9th of 2001, uh, according to, to these records here, he was arrested for a drunk driving incident and then released uh, by WWF just days later. Um, yeah. Um, and that has been, that has been uh, reiterated a bunch of times, but um, particularly like the Dark Side of the Ring episode where they actually had like, um, you know, um, accounts from like people like uh, Vicky Guerrero and Shaw Guerrero who were there and saw the way he was acting during this time. And I feel it. I think they they almost got divorced. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they separated for a while. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was during this time that like, I don't think Eddie was like fully aware but like was was starting to realize that like if i don't do better i'm gonna lose everything and um yeah i think he he started to turn it around in late 2001 and went on a went on an indie run for Mm -hmm. like 2002 early 2002 Mm -hmm. and um had some pretty good matches. If you go back and and find them, he was actually on the first ever uh, ROH show, mm-hmm. and had some, off, uh, with a uh, super crazy, I believe. Yep, and he also had matches with the likes of CM Punk very early in his career, and uh, yeah, he Christopher Daniels, just all these like guys that you would not even believe that Eddie Guerrero that got to work with Eddie Guerrero. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was like the signs that like, okay, maybe it's time mm-hmm. for Eddie to come back. Well, and that just, uh, again, goes kind of back to what we were talking about earlier is that um, his influence from those early ECW days, the, the kids that watched him in New Japan, in Mexico, in america with with you know ecw they were all kind of coming of age and growing up you know by the time you know that uh uh, ring of honor became a thing and that uh new japan uh, kind of uh i guess picked steam back up in terms of popularity uh through through another early 2000s run um so yeah it it, you know it it made a lot of sense for him to do that and and you're absolutely right in that along the way Yes, he was trying to find himself uh, and, and try and make amends with um, maybe where he he went off tracks a little bit. Yeah. Um, as you put it, this was a pretty short-lived independent run. Uh, he would return to the WWE, uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, that's where he would spend... Uh, the the rest of his career from about 2002 through 2005. Um, in 2002, when he returned, um, he obviously had some great feuds with um, RVD. Uh, RVD, yes, thank you, uh, RVD. Uh, but also, he was a part of the uh, the, the dubbed SmackDown Six. Uh, mm-hmm. by, by Paul Heyman. Um, that's when, when WWE wanted to try and draft out brands and try split branding uh, between Raw and SmackDown. Paul Heyman obviously in charge of SmackDown 
went and he he wanted guys like Kurt Angle, Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, Chavo Guerrero, Rey Mysterio, and Edge. Those guys being the SmackDown Six. Um, they put on great tag team matches. Uh, Chavo and Eddie did along with Edge and Mysterio, and then Benoit and Angle. Uh, yeah, the, these guys were doing amazing things in the early Sh- days. Shelton and Charlie Haas. Yep, yep, world's greatest tag team. And yep. like, it, because it was very clear, and you could tell by the differences, wrestling was first on mm-hmm. SmackDown, mm-hmm. and entertainment was first on mm-hmm. Raw. It was very clear. Oh yeah, that, yeah, yeah. It was definitely very apparent. Um, you know, uh, and then you would see uh, other feuds happen, you know, along the lines of, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> oddly enough, Ultimo Dragon <laughs> went to WWE around that time. We had an Eddie Guerrero Ultimo yeah. Dragon match, was, which was a throwback from back in the day. Um, very short stint. It was very, it was very unfortunate that he didn't last longer than he did. But mm-hmm. no, you're absolutely right. Um, that was also known. Uh, I guess this would be uh, this would be one that I didn't particularly remember all that well, uh, but uh, it did in fact happen. I, I actually first learned about this from an old What Culture video. Uh, but there there was a time uh, where Eddie Guerrero had a feud with The Big Show. Oh yeah, and uh, uh, Eddie Guerrero had apparently ordered some burritos, mm-hmm. and Big Big Show really didn't care that uh, that. The burritos belong to eddie so he ate all of the burritos um that didn't end well for him no apparently guerrero had laced the burritos with a laxative and uh, the big show being the the big man that he was uh embarrassingly almost crapped himself in the in the ring (laughs) um uh cameras went backstage big show was on the toilet and uh eddie Guerrero Mm -hmm. kicked the door in on him It it was a whole thing yeah, that that is a thing that happened. <laughs> um, again, just an excuse to have Big Show involved in uh, something. All but, um, also, another thing that happened that sticks out um, and proves how good Eddie Guerrero is um, when him and Chavo were a regular team. Los Guerreros and Chavo got hurt. Mm-hmm. He was teaming with Tajiri for a while. Mm-hmm. And that was a very unlikely team, but it worked. Like Eddie made it work, and it just gelled. It was it was different. Mm-hmm. It, and I mean, that also didn't last very long. But the time that it did, it worked really well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, that just again goes to show Guerrero's flexibility and how yeah. how just he was able to make anything work. Uh, w- when he put his mind to it, um, he he was also becoming a born again Christian at this time. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, obviously, if you were familiar with the stories from again Dark Side of the Ring, he would talk about he he would share that belief with people backstage, yeah. um, and that kind of goes into this redemption story uh, that um, that that Guerrero has, I believe, in about two thousand four. Uh, he he wins a a mini Royal Rumble match um, to uh, get a a spot, um, 
turn a shot at the at the WWE Championship, who was, I believe, Brock Lesnar at the time. Yes. Um, and uh, it was very much an underdog story. Uh, Brock was talking was was talking about how uh, people like Eddie Guerrero, um, you know, they don't win championships. Um, obviously, Brock being the bigger, more opposing, uh, imposing figure, rather. Um, but Eddie had Eddie was all heart, and I remember that being such an excellent moment when Eddie finally defeated Brock Lesnar at No Way Out uh, to to well, win the WWE the, Championship. The thing was, and this was during a time I'm 2004 wasn't really a time where like the internet wasn't as prevalent, and you know like spoilers weren't as prevalent, and speculation online wasn't as prevalent prevalent, mm-hmm. but like you you wanted to believe that Eddie Guerrero had a chance and you know it 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 came to a surprise to like everybody obviously you know things happened in that match that you know um mm. made that possible mm-hmm. but it it just proved that like hard work paid off for him mm-hmm. that that's what it proved in the end and um just to, to, like even despite the fact that he needed, you know, he got help, but he beat Brock Lesnar, and that was something that nobody would have saw coming mm-hmm. because that was something that didn't happen very often. People didn't beat Brock Lesnar even mm-hmm. back then. Um, you know, the only person that really beat Brock Lesnar was Kurt Angle mm-hmm. or Big or Big Show. Mm-hmm. Nobody else beat Brock Lesnar, so. It, the fact that it even happened was just proof of how much it, how much he did to get to that point. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and and that actually brings up, you know, uh, you know, Kurt Angle, who was another great, um, who had another great rivalry with Eddie Guerrero, um, going into WrestleMania. The two had a, a, a very very good match at WrestleMania twenty. Um, where it seemed like uh, pure wrestling ability uh, meant something uh, to, um, to, to to I guess wrestling fans for WrestleMania 20, Eddie Guerrero yeah. beating um, Kurt Angle, um, <laughs> lying, cheating, and stealing along the way, of course. Yep. Um, but uh, but also uh, probably most memorably uh, for millions of reasons is uh what happened after the main event when chris benoit defeated both Shawn michaels and triple h in a triple threat match for the world heavyweight championship uh guerrero uh embraced benoit after that match and that visual i think will i guess burn deep inside of the minds of anybody who was watching wrestling at that time uh just just again that visual of these two uh, in yeah. the ring together, um, you know, celebrating uh, the fact that they were both champion at the same time. Yeah, and just going back to that that match at WrestleMania with Kurt Angle, like mm-hmm. it, that match was a perfect example of the the uh, technical prowess of Eddie Guerrero paying off because mm-hmm. it wasn't it wasn't his you know. He, wrestling ability that got him the win it was his mind that got him the win Mm -hmm. and that that goes back to 
his type of technical wrestling paying off in the end because um, it was just so it, it was just so Eddie Guerrero that nobody else would do that and it would work the way that it did mm-hmm. and yes the the ending of that WrestleMania um, for people that were around to see that um, I think we'll we'll never forget it for obvious reasons. But unfortunately, we won't be able to uh, honor it the way we would like to anymore. Mm. Oh, I mean, you're 100% spot on with that. Um, Guerrero uh, would lose uh, the title uh, later on in the year uh, to JPL, John Bradshaw Layfield, um, after some of the most... <laughs> brutal and, and bloodiest moments I've ever seen in WWE, to be quite honest with you. And qu- and questionable storytelling. <laughs> and, and questionable storytelling, absolutely. Um, <laughs> it, it didn't feel like the, the proper run that Eddie deserved, um, in, in my opinion, but um, I digress. Uh, he, he had finally won the championship, and I think that's what, uh, what, what, what really mattered to him. Um, he, he did... Um, there was a lot of reports about him saying that he felt a lot of the pressure, yeah, uh, a lot of the pressure of being the champion and and trying to, you know, uh, do good and 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 you know gain crowds and everything like that. Um, but Eddie was always one of the most popular wrestlers. I can definitely say that here in Texas, uh, you know, where where Eddie uh, is from, um, he's always one of the most popular wrestlers to just about everybody. Uh, WWE is, you know, definitely touted how popular he was with the Latino community. Um, but yeah, I mean, I always thoroughly enjoyed any kind of run that Eddie Guerrero had. Yeah, and I think it really goes back to like that that perfectionist thing that he had. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, he wanted his he wanted his run to mean something in a way that like mattered to everybody mm-hmm. not not just the latino demographic mm-hmm. and i mm-hmm. think that the pressure of that and feeling like oh am i doing enough or am i doing the right thing here kind of was getting to him to the point where he didn't want to be champion anymore mm-hmm. that he like asked not to be champion mm-hmm. just because of that reason right um, and then of course he, he drops the title to, to JBL and that begins, um, one of JBL's famed title runs that he would have in the, uh, the mid two thousands, uh, where, where Eddie would go from here. Uh, he, he meandered through a few different storylines. Um, but again, as we had maybe mentioned earlier, uh, or definitely mentioned earlier, rather, uh, yeah. the, the more prominent one being this, this feud with Ray Mysterio. Um, for a lot of different reasons, um, yeah. You know, particularly the most memorable one is uh, the Dominic Mysterio feud, um, yeah. uh, which eh, it didn't go. Well, I mean, the the story to get to that point was very intriguing because mm-hmm. even before the Dominic stuff, mm-hmm. um, you know, the story was that. Eddie and Ray were tag team champions together. Mm-hmm. And instead of defending their titles at WrestleMania 21, they had a match with 
against each other. Mm. And it was just, and Eddie was the one who laid down the challenge, like, uh, let's, let's face each other and just put on a showcase and see who the better man is. And that turned into Eddie Guerrero being bitter mm-hmm. that he couldn't get the job done. Mm. And you can slowly see the, the progression of his attitude changing and him just getting more and more frustrated that he couldn't beat Rey Mysterio because he knew that he should have been able to beat Rey Mysterio. Yeah. And of course that, that evolved into the Dominic custody stuff. Mm-hmm. But the, the story to get to that point was so good because of, again, the, the ma- masterful psychology of Eddie Guerrero. Mm-hmm. No, I would, I would absolutely agree with that. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a shame that it went in the direction that it did. I don't feel as though it was super necessary, but, um, <laughs> but again, it, it, both men, particularly on Eddie's part, really built that feud. Uh, uh, very well and it was a particularly long feud feud. i believe it went from Mm -hmm. april to november Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i went all the way through SummerSlam and beyond from what i can remember um uh, of course eddie's last uh uh, notable uh feud uh came in the form of uh him getting the number one contender contender shot for uh the world heavyweight championship with batista uh uh, who Eddie Guerrero said was a, a close friend of his, uh, Batista had planned on taking some time off, and it was proposed that Guerrero would be taking the title off of Batista. Yes. Um, now, as we know from what Chavo Guerrero has said, um, it was you know kind of around this time that you know Guerrero would have these weird um, issues with sleeping. He would just fall asleep in the middle of sentences, or you know, uh, fall asleep at just random times. Um, and, uh, unfortunately, um, he would pass away on November the 13th, 2005. Um, you know, Chavo Guerrero found him. Um, and then of course, uh, alerted Chris Benoit, who was staying at the same hotel as, as they were at. Yeah. Um, so, uh, tragic, uh, you know, uh, that his life was cut so short when there was so much more. Uh, to and, come from Eddie I, Guerrero. And I believe he was only 38 at the time. Uh, yes, he, he would have been about 30, uh, 38. Yes. Yeah. And it, that that storyline in particular with Batista was was very intriguing because you didn't know. I mean, obviously, this coming off of the Dominic stuff, mm. it was very hard to believe that like Eddie Guerrero was like trying to turn over a new leaf and like be Batista's friend and everything. And they actually had a championship match at uh, no mercy that year where Eddie Guerrero was going to use a chair and he like thought about it, like, and like fought it off mentally, like, Oh, maybe I shouldn't use the chair. And that became his downfall in the match. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, he was slated to have another shot. And then it didn't happen, um, and it and it's unfortunate that like I think the 
the history of like the problems that he had with drugs and alcohol um just became the got the better of him um and unfortunately that has been a very common thing among wrestlers that came up in his era mm. um particularly you know uh British bulldog Kurt Henning mm. pretty much the same same scenario um a history of that those kinds of problems leading to some kind of heart failure mm-hmm. and that being ultimately what what happened mm-hmm. um of course tributes were paid to guerrero yep. on both raw and smackdown um you know but it wasn't just a wwe thing obviously guerrero touched the lives of many just throughout the entire wrestling business. So you would see tributes in TNA and, uh, uh, Ohio Valley wrestling and, you know, just, just everywhere. Um, anywhere that there was wrestling, there was a tribute to Eddie Guerrero. Uh, yeah. And I, I think again, uh, this dark side of the ring stuff. I mean, it was particularly the Chris Benoit, Mm-hmm part uh episodes of dark side of the ring um eddie guerrero in particular was a very big part in the personal life of chris benoit Mm -hmm. and they they grew off of that relationship that they had from those years in japan and in wcw and Really, it got to a point where those two were the only, like, as far as like they said in Dark Side of the Ring, Eddie and Chris were not really that open with everybody, but they were open with each other. And when Chris didn't have that anymore, mm. um, really kind of started his downward spiral. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can say whatever you want about, like, whatever he had wrong with him, mm-hmm. but that was the beginning of it. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think there's there's also um, a, a little bit of a, a, a fascination with the... The, the macabre or there, there's always a fascination about the negative with, with people, especially in this social media age where it, it makes me actually really, really sad in that we could be celebrating, you know, Guerrero more than, than what we actually do. I think we celebrate Guerrero uh, quite obviously, but he could be celebrated so much more. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, at the same time, with everything that happened with Chris Benoit, and we don't, we don't need to go over that whole story. It's very no. much apparent. Yeah. Um, it's very much out there. Yeah, um, it, people are more drawn into that story by how shocking and horrifying that it is. Um, and who's to say, you know, if if Guerrero hadn't passed away so tragically and so suddenly, you know, m- maybe, you know, maybe Benoit. And his his wife and his child would still be around. I I really don't know. There, um, there's no way to say. Yeah. But I I think that um just that happening was the was the first layer of the mm-hmm. Benoit 
situation. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is a lot more that goes into that. That is, you know, out of my realm of expertise Mm because I'm not a doctor. Right. Um, (laughs) So I think that maybe things would have been different, but also it's very hard to say. Of course. What I'll I'll, uh, have us leave this episode with is is just one last thing here, Mike. Um, I'll ask you, what is Eddie Guerrero? What does Eddie Guerrero's legacy mean uh, to to you? What is what is Eddie Guerrero going to go down in history for? Uh, Well, to me, he's going to go down in history as one of the best in ring storytellers in, in wrestling history. He's he's on like I said earlier on the same level as Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, Randy Savage, Chris Jericho, as knowing what to do inside and outside the ring to tell a story at all times. Hmm. It because that's that's the the thing that you need to do in wrestling: tell a story inside and outside the ring, and. Nobody was better at that than Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, well put, well said. Uh, Mike, where can people find you out there on the internet, sir? Well, you can follow me on Twitter at MikeJCA21. I uh, will be on there usually complaining about WWE. (laughs) But um, you can also check out SLTDWrestling.com where I do the weekly Dynamite AW Dynamite reviews and uh, also my own website, MikeJCOnWrestling.com, where I talk about all things wrestling when I have the opportunity. <laughs> well, good deal. Y'all definitely need to check out Mike's work uh, wherever you can find it. He's always putting in uh, his effort and, and great two cents, I think, uh, into whatever topic he's discussing. So make sure to check out Mike. Uh, he's an amazingly talented writer. And uh, I, I do like talking to him in this audio format as well, I got to say. Um, uh, you guys can uh, obviously follow us here on Twitter over at Headlock Talk. Uh, where uh, you'll get the updates for all these episodes as they roll out here for this uh, Headlock Talk Presents Wrestling Lore series that we're doing. And uh, yeah, this has been a a fun time, Mike. Uh, We'll be back talking again very soon about uh, Daniel Bryan, actually. Uh, So yeah, make sure to check that out and uh, subscribe today. Uh, I am, of course, the Texas Gentleman Tanner Pruitt. You guys take care and have yourselves a great rest of your day.